재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 This is Koreascape on TBS EFM 101.3 MHz in Seoul and surrounding areas. On Saturdays, we do a little thing called Korea on Screen. We're looking to take products of popular culture, movies, videos, you name it, and deconstruct some of the cultural meaning hidden within. We're joined this week by Michael Hurt, who is an assistant professor of Hanguk University. Hanguk Wede, right? Uh, and he's a photographer around town, does some really stunning street fashion work. Michael, welcome. Hi. Nice to have you. Um, just for people who might be hearing about you for the first time, you really have carved this niche between visual photography, looking at images and unpacking cultural themes. What's just give us an idea what you're all about with that. Well, the the word I'll use, I guess, is the very narrow kind of even sociologists don't know about this part of sociology. Mm. It's called visual sociology. Not okay. many people do it, but it's very linked to photography. And I chose to market myself as a visual sociologist and call my work that because I spent a good amount of my time in the early 2000s not finishing my dissertation and um, doing pure photography work. So now I'm trying to bring, back, bring that back into the fold and publish in that direction. So I do visual sociology. Visual yeah. sociology, which means you've got the skills to take excellent pictures, but then there's this whole encyclopedic kind of set of academic tools that you apply to decipher meaning from the pictures. Yeah. Right? And the thing I'll just quickly add is that I mean, even my street fashion photography, because that's what it's called, I guess, these days. You know, ethnographic portraits is what I was thinking about at the time. Um, that's just kind of, I was always approaching that kind of with a sociological focus, anthropological mm -hmm. focus, using the photograph and the camera as a kind of ethnographic data collection tool. Mm. It's a way to know things. But what it amounts to, all of these sort of, it's decoding cultural texts yeah in other words a movie isn't just a movie it's a whole set of embedded cultural texts yeah well the thing is you know that's what the so-called cultural studies approach would be talking about you and that's where the fun is i think you know when you, people want to go see a movie and they want to talk about it after and they felt you know something from the film they felt it was saying something talking about an aspect of society things that people are talking about in the zeitgeist stuff like that that's where a film gets interesting or talking about film literature mm -hmm. looking at for example, what I do, street fashion, not just about the clothing, but what the clothing says about society sure. in a greater sense. Well, they say history is written by the winners. That's true of who makes the movies and who puts out the fashions and so forth. So from all of these cultural texts, you can basically tell who's in control and what the society's values are. Kind of. I mean, that's, that's the thing that I'll, I'll start talking about today is that's a part of a hegemonic control. You know, people talk about that. Um, like you have the ability to make cultural text, to make representations that favor, you know, your greater kind of national project, whatever that is, mm -hmm. your system of control. And, um, you know, there is that part of it, but there's also the kind of quieter, more difficult to kind of track part of where people actually connect with that particular cultural text, like a film, like the Transformers or something like mm -hmm. that. Now, you know, there, there's a history, now we know about it more these days, of the American Defense Department cooperating with Hollywood to offer planes, 
sure. helping to film these scenes. It's almost like a product placement yeah. in exchange product placement for the military. Yeah. Right? Right. Well, there, there's that kind of thing. The idea that you can help produce cultural texts that kind of help keep the system going, things like that. But it doesn't mean that everybody who watches that is going to pick, is going to connect with it in that way or, mm-hmm. you know, give, you know, get the intended effect that you want. Keep the system going or maybe reflect back on the system and change it. You told me you wanted to talk a little bit about Hidden Figures, uh, Oscar-nominated movie. It is uh, getting some critical acclaim here in Korea, and I think uh, more and more people are interested in going to see it in box office terms as well. I've pulled a little clip, and we're going to roll it. This is, uh, of course, from NASA in the 1960s. Three very gifted African-American women are working there in different capacities. The scene we're going to hear now is uh, one of the advanced mathematicians. She has to uh, disappear for like 30 and 40 minutes at a time just to go away to the bathrooms. Let's give that clip a quick listen. There's no bathroom for me here. What do you mean there's no bathroom for you here? There is no bathroom. There are no colored bathrooms in this building or any building outside the West Campus, which is half a mile away. Did you know that? I have to walk to Timbuktu just to relieve myself. And I can't use one of the handy bikes. Picture that, Mr. Harrison. My uniform, skirt below my knees, my heels, and a simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't pay colors enough to afford pearls. And I work like a dog, day and night, living off a coffee from a pot none of you want to touch. So, excuse me. If I have to go to the restroom a few times a day. There's so much <laughs> packed into that, isn't there? Yeah, and I think that's definitely an, uh, the script, the screenwriter indulging Maybe. himself. Yeah. Well, just the Oscar in, moment. That's right. There, yeah. there it is. In terms of raw data, you learn, uh, you get an excellent snapshot of America in that time segregated bathrooms, colored bathrooms. They don't care to have colored bathrooms close to the place where she works. Uh, Feminine issues. She's got to wear a dress and heels while everybody else can ride the bikes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And nobody will touch the coffee pot. There's even a colored coffee pot. Yeah. Right? So you get an excellent snapshot of segregation. Why does that speak to audiences in Korea? Well, I think, you know, I found this very interesting when I saw the film in Korea. The fact that even these films came out in Korea. And then there's a lot of stuff going on in the States with why or how did, you know, in a Hollywood that even until last year got a lot of criticism a lot um, for having basically no people of color in the films that were nominated for big stuff, even though there was a lot mm-hmm. of good stuff out there. But then, in a way, kind of make up for that, but also by, you know, historical happenstance, you've got some of the people who are nominated in the for the best picture films are, you know, the same black actors who... You know, they have double, triple the chance because they're in all the films. Yeah. And uh, the films just happen to be good. But I think that's going on. But, you know, even in the early 2000s and 1990s when I was here, these films would never have played in Korea. And okay. there's still that tendency. Like, for example, other not Oscar-nominated films like La La Land, that that premiered in um, Korea months ago. Yeah. And um, and that would have been big back even in the 90s and yeah, so on. So you're saying something has changed in Korea yeah. that makes a black film about a issue of race popular now yeah. see the thing is you know when films that are really obscure that i think the people who pick the films from you know whatever 
chains that there are, who there are screenings that they have and they choose, you know, we're going to pick up this film and run it. We think it'll work in Korea. There's a whole set of assumptions that go into what's going to make money here because they're trying to make money. The common received wisdom would be that black films don't do well in Korea. Like, mm. a good example in the early 2000s was um, Barbershop, which was, to many people's surprise at the time, number one box office hit for in the months, USA, in the USA yeah. for months running. Koreans had never heard of it. Didn't come out in a single theater here. Barely came out on DVD. I caught that one and because I wanted to get the subtitle. It's interesting. There's black films and then there's black films, right? Yeah. I mean, Hidden Figures is a... Uh, a drama revolving around African-American characters. Barbershop's a black film. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's slinging the black lingo. It's uh, it's kind of a, a slice of life from black like subculture. Yeah. Whereas I think the reason the Hidden Figures worked, even in the States, really, really well, it's you know an important moment in American history. Like the time that they're talking about, the 60s, the Civil Rights Movement, but they're not talking about the Civil Rights Movement. They're talking about the space race, getting to the moon, yeah. you know, America pulling, you know, getting itself together, you know, good national pride, you know, a lot of good things about America came together. Mm -hmm. But there were black female mathematicians who mm -hmm. helped us get to the moon, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's a very nice narrative that fits in well, whether you voted for Trump, whether you voted for Clinton, everybody could get behind that narrative. It's very clear, but let's bring it over yeah, to, Korea. to Korea. Why are Koreans kind of uh, interested? Are they latching on to the, the idea of marginalized groups or what? Yeah, I think that's big part of it. I think, you know, in recent years, you've had, recent months even, a sudden switch in a heightened sense of awareness about gender discrimination in society. Now, overall, you've got this thing um, in the background, demographic shifts, unemployment, youth, you know, being socialized to think about certain groups differently. Like, for example, young kids these days are really into hip-hop culture and don't necessarily have a negative view of black people. Mm. It may be a slightly skewed view, very skewed view, in a particular direction in terms of hip-hop, rap, a very narrow slice of I guess, African-American Highly uh, groomed view. It's a highly, yeah, yeah processed view. But at view. the same time, it's a positive view in general. And in the background, you've got all these other things that lead to, there's this idea of Hell Joseon, right? Which is kind of like, for better or for worse, Hell Joseon, the idea that you can think critically or even negatively about aspects of your own country and culture gives you the critical space to think, oh, maybe we should not swallow everything that is handed to us as, mm -hmm. you know, true. It creates a, a necessary critical space to think about, say, for example, gender discrimination, which is a huge issue. And then you have it focused around a particular incident, mm -hmm. like the Gangnam, you know, Muchima, the knife murder, mm -hmm. right? And that got a lot of things rolling. Yeah, that was a touchstone. Yeah. That just uh, a watershed moment that got a lot of people out of their complacency. What I seem to hear from you is the idea that, you know, uh, in another era, a film like Hidden Figures would have been, oh, that's something that happens in another country. Yeah, I think people would have been like, oh, American history, American society, that's interesting. Nothing to do with me. Right. Move on, you know. But I think, you know, you have these touchstone moments. I think nowadays a film, like they're making a film, or there, there's a film out, it hasn't come to Korea maybe, there's a film about Emmett Till, who was actually the young black boy who was murdered, mm -hmm. and... um basically is what is kind of the hidden figure in even the history of the American Civil Rights Movement. You know, after Emmett Till got murdered, that focused a lot of black anger. That galvanized. Yeah, to people saying, you know what, we don't care what you do to us. Come kill us in the night. We don't care. We're still going to, like, protest. We're still going to, you know, 
demand our rights. And I think, in a way, that the Kangnam murder kind of was that for a lot of women. It was kind of like the the, the focusing touchstone, as you said, um, the focus point around which people's overall negative you know, feelings or feelings that something needs to change got focused in what you could call a more specific feminist mm. movement. It's the tipping point in so many movements when uh, a critical mass of the people realize, I'm in danger anyway, yeah. so I may as well take action. Yeah. You know, when you have that kind of thing going on in the reception side and you see a movie like Hidden Figures, which also speaks to issues of feminism mixed in, like Surely, people yeah. talk about intersexuality, intersectionality, race, and gender, right? You see a movie like Hidden Figures, you're like, whoa, okay, discrimination. Those women just did what they had to do. Right. Mm. You, Do you think, uh, I mean, because there was no strict segregation period over here. And yeah. so, I mean, the, the racial segregation idea maybe doesn't strike the chord that maybe the gender issues do here. Yeah, I think the thing is people are able to see, yeah, we don't have that specific issue. We didn't have colored white bathrooms in mm-hmm. Korea. That, mm-hmm. doesn't, that doesn't make any sense, right? But the idea of working under ex- you know extremely difficult conditions persevering, you know, fighting, standing up for yourself. There have to, like that's a very on-code kind of American moment. And uh, like the like the clip that you played where she stands up and says, "I can't even go to the bathroom." And the music's playing and you have the 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 moment. I think a lot of people are fantasizing about having that moment in their own lives with their boss who maybe, you know, does some questionable things, something like that. You know what resonates with me about that clip so much? And I I betcha it does with Koreans too. Because she has to go 30 minutes off campus to the colored yeah. bathroom, uh, all of that um, capacity and skill is lost from the mix for about an hour or two every day. And you mentioned Hell Joseon before. I think there's so much talent out there, uh, woman talent, young student talent, uh, people that, you know, uh, their talents are either being ignored or going to waste because there's a calcified system. At least that's what they yeah. think. And it's not taking advantage of the, the potential. You know? See, the, that's the funny thing. I've seen in business articles, like one in The Economist, I believe, on all the talent that was wasted because of gender discrimination, sexism in Korean society. There you go. And, um, you know, I think this is something that you don't need a academic article, a business, you know, journal article to figure out. I think a lot of people just kind of know this inherently kind of culturally in Korea mm. and are angry about it. Mm. Not angry in a way that I want to go say something to make a speech in the middle of my, you know, office to my boss, but I think people kind of feel like kind of like, oh, this is kind of a shame because we could be doing so much better. There's so much because of the system, there's so much wasted. So what I'm hearing from you is that uh, Korean society and Korean consciousness seem to have evolved over the decades to the extent when a film like Hidden Figures, which is not ostensibly related to Korea at all, can nonetheless provide some critical tools. Yeah, totally changes the you know the reception part of things, hmm. and that's that's key when you're talking about the audience. Now, if you're an old guy making the judgment about, oh, yeah, well, the old received wisdom is, oh, well, well we're not going to make money because Koreans don't wa- watch black films. But then what happens is, much to everyone's, your own surprise, like, the black films start getting nominated, start winning. Then Koreans are like, you know, from another point of view, mm. like, well, we we heard about Moonlight and all these other films. Why are, we, why are they not pushed like... Um, 
La La Land was. Yeah, so uh, you got to shake up some of your old assumptions yeah. in terms of marketing and what's going to work. And I think the one of the things is these old assumptions have still been pretty much in play even till very recently because I saw La La Land like three months ago in the Korean theaters. <laughs> and I didn't like it. I did but. not make it 10 minutes into La La Land, but again, if you liked it, I did good not on like you. It. If anybody <laughs> out there liked it, congratulations. But you know, my point is, once the Oscar buzz started going, but to, I won't necessarily talk about the specific choice, but to a certain large, you know, movie chain's credit, you know, I saw Moonlight, albeit at 1.30 a.m., mm. <laughs> I saw Moonlight well before it, you know, it actually started when anything started getting set. So, yeah. um, but you know, you wouldn't even have seen these theaters and these movies in the theaters unless they had started getting major critical acclaim back in the home country. Yeah. yeah. So it's still, I mean, it still rides the prestige, but, uh, as you mentioned, the audiences are, are more receptive to them. Yeah. Well, there you go. If you haven't seen hidden figures, I highly recommend it. It's an excellent film. And, um, Michael, I appreciate you coming in. Oh, thank you. And we'll be right back with Planet Korea and a peek at the esports gaming world.